to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Somebody say this, the veil of the law. All right. No, not the Lord, the law, L-A-W. Somebody say the veil of the law. All right, the law. I've got to make sure I speak English to you because my South Africanness will, uh, you know. Anyway, when I used to say it's pasta so and so, they used to say, "Are oh, we going to eat Italian today?" I said, "No, I mean not pasta. I mean pasta. Amen." And that's not pasta or angel hair or fettuccine or anything like that. But okay, so we're going to continue to talk about the veil of the law. Somebody said, "But I don't know why we're continuing this. I don't know we spoke about it to begin with." Uh, really, we have, if you go back a couple of weeks ago, we, we've been touching on the second book of Corinthians, chapter number three. We haven't really been able to advance because as we've opened up our Bibles on this chapter, it's like the Holy Spirit is just breathing a lot of life on the Word. And I'm okay with that, not getting to conclude, you know. Um, I'm not really worried about how professional I sound or how articulate I am to you in, 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 in my own estimation. I'm not really worried about your estimation or where you put me. Uh, five out of 10, he did real, you know, pastor, real, he did real good today. Yeah, I give him about a nine out of 10. And then the next week, well, he didn't do so good today. I give him about a four out of 10. I'm not really, it doesn't matter. Okay, you know, it just happens that way. The point of the matter is, is that we wanna carry on talking about this particular subject. The Holy Spirit is speaking and we have learned, somebody say this, church culture. Church. So can we do that in, in the spirit of unity? One, two, three. Church. Okay. Ch- church culture is, you know, we're not, it's not like, uh, we're coming in and yes, I understand we've got to go somewhere with what we're speaking about. I understand that and God does it. I don't think we have a Sunday where we don't know where we're going. Even if it is flowing with the Holy Spirit, we're going somewhere and we then understand as we're doing it where the Holy Spirit is going, even in the, in the Word. So yes, we have to come in and introduce a concept of what God is bringing in the form of a word to you and then we build upon it and then we conclude. Um, and sometimes we don't get to conclude because we've got to continue on the subject. Are you with me? And I usually like to say this, there's no amen at the end of the book of Acts. So we're still in the continuity of the book of Acts. We are still, somebody say this, we are, we are. the book of Acts. Amen. Amen. But we've got to have life. I'm not interested in filling your head up today with more information. God didn't call the church to be a church full of information. When we minister the Word, it is the Spirit of God speaking to your spirit. His Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. Amen? And so that is where we begin to follow the wind of the Spirit, even when we're ministering, even when we're speaking on the Word, we've got to follow the wind of the Spirit. It's, it's got to be life-giving. Remember, the, the Word of God is not about information that we can get into our heads, and I keep on stressing that, but it is a description of the person of Jesus that we are trying to transmit. 
It's the description of Him, His nature and His attributes that He desires to be formed in you. Well, what do you mean He's formed? He is in me. Yes, He's fully resident on the inside of you, except your soul needs to catch up with it. Every one of you has the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of Christ dwelling right on the inside of you right now. So Christianity is not about trying to get more of Him on the inside of you. No, it's never been about trying to get more of Him on the inside. He's already fully on the inside. Christianity is about the one inside of you being released out of you. He's never been on the outside and we're working ourselves into a frenzy of trying to get Him in so that we can eventually let Him out. And that's the folly of religion. (laughs) What does that mean? So, So yeah, it's already on the inside of you. And just hearing this, do you know what? And 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 um, <laughs> you know what repentance means? The one turn, yeah, turn, a turning from which will be the fruit of turn. The fruit of changing your mind will get you to turn around. Amen. Repentance is the word metanoia, which means to change your mind. Change your way of thinking. You have some stinking thinking. We have repentance boiled down to this thing where I've got to come up to the altar and beat my breast crying before God to forgive me. That's not what repentance is. I'm not saying that there's anything. I'm not coming against that. Please understand the words that are coming out of my lips. First of all, God does not forgive you on the basis of how sorry you are. He doesn't forgive you based on the intensity of the tears that you shed at the altar. He already forgave you 2,000 years at the cross while you were yet a sinner. He already forgave you. Oh my, it's got real quiet in this house. So we come in week after week, repenting, beating our chests for God to forgive us. And and then week after week, we're still dealing with the same issues. Why? Because we're trying to approach God on the symptoms of the problems that we have with our life. And God's trying to say the root of the problem is in your head. You've got some wrong thinking, honey. Repentance is the changing of the mind where the anointing and truth comes to your understanding and you begin to sit under the teaching of the truth of the Word of God and the washing of the water of the Word of God comes to your mind. The moment you come into agreement with something you never believed, like you, you never saw it like you saw it before, the moment you give agreement to that is the moment you no longer will deal with that certain thing the same way. Why? Because you've allowed the truth of the Word of God to eliminate something where it doesn't take you. And then you find yourself not having to come down to the altar. Why? Because God done took care of the problem. Amen. 
saying I'm against repentance. I'm for repentance, but I'm for new covenant repentance. So what happens is God deals with the root. God is not, God is not about, He, 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 he is not about uh, uh, taking care of your symptoms. He is the one that takes care of the root of the problem. His knife goes where the, the, his word goes where the knife of man cannot go. And he burns it out of you at the root level so that you no longer have to begin to deal with that anymore. Or that you can experience victory. Or that you can be an overcomer. The Father never sent the Son to the cross to deal with symptoms in the church. The fact that you could sin, the fact that you can sin now <coughs> is not why Jesus sent you, was sent to the cross by the Father. The, the problem wasn't sin. The problem is that you were separated and you needed Him to be reconciliated to the Father because without reconciliation, you can't do jack squat. I'm not making up stuff, you guys. Listen to them that have ears. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I'm not preaching something. I am, in, in fact, please always listen. I always like to say this because I've got to throw it out all the time. Who is being exalted? What Jesus did or what man does? Come on. There's actually two words, is metanoia, and then there's the Hebrew word, which is nahum. And I'm talking about repentance. Metanoia, nahum, N-A-H-U-M. Because when metanoia comes, the nahum comes after the fact. What is the nahum? It's a turning from. So the fruit of when God deals with you at the root of your mind and He begins to burn stuff out of you will result. In other words, it becomes now the byproduct of true repentance working in the heart of man. Amen? Amen. All right. So... We're going to talk about the veil of the law here. And what I really need us to understand as we continue today, which that other stuff was for free. Um, this is also for free. <laughs> uh, but it all actually, everything that I just shared with you already has got to do with the veil being removed. Everything I just shared with you has everything to do with the veil. Uh, somebody say the veil. Somebody, somebody, uh, uh, you know, they said, well, I don't have a veil. Uh, I'm a believer and I live in the new covenant. Yes, you, you, you live in the new covenant, but as to whether the veil is still there or not, that's another thing. You are a brand new creation in Christ, 100%. But 
but there can still be the veil. And the problem is, is that when we deal with the subject of the veil of the Lord, we begin to talk about the ministry of Moses and we say, well, thank God I'm not under the law. Yes, I understand, but we boil down the law and the veil just down to the, the commandments of, you know, because the Bible says here, right here in Second Corinthians chapter number three, but if the ministry, verse seven, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. Somebody say this, the ministry of death engraved on stones. What was engraved on stones? Okay, so what did Paul call the Ten Commandments? The ministry of death. Huh. He said, but if the ministry of death engraved on stone was glorious. So in other words, it had a glory. You see, this is what I wanna say. There was nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. It was God's perfect standard of holiness revealed to man. Are you with me? Why, it, it, if it had glory, the law contains the full measure of His perfection. Are you with me? The problem is, is that when the law was given, Israel realised how far short they fell in terms of a holy God. The law was never given again. I've started out by saying this on the subject. The law was never given to produce righteousness in any one of us. It was only given so that we would understand the need for a Saviour. The law cannot produce righteousness in you. All it will consistently remind you of is how imperfect you are. The Bible says in Galatians that the law was a tutor. Somebody say tutor. tutor. So the, the, the law was a tutor to bring us, the Bible says, to bring us to Christ. But now that you've received Christ, you no longer need the tutor. Let me just tell you right now. So it's not in the uh, apparent learning of every one of the 10 commandments that keeps you righteous. It's not having the 10 commandments put on your door in your house that makes you more righteous. That does nothing for you. The problem with the church is that we think that we have to abide by what's on the wall. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, the eighth chapter, that the law that we have is the, the law of the liberty in Christ Jesus. And we have more faith in trying to observe what is written on stone or on paper if we have it printed. We have more faith to observe that than we have faith in the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you that you are to be led by. The Holy Holy Spirit doesn't lead you to into adultery. He doesn't lead you to fornicate. He doesn't lead you to the first home of the drug dealer where you get a whole bunch of white powder and snort it all up. Did you need the Ten Commandments for the Holy Spirit to lead you? Or does the Holy Spirit lead and guide us? So we must have more faith in the Holy Spirit who has been given to us than the law that has been written on stones. The law on stones can produce no power for you. Don't get mad at me. 
Don't get mad at me. It's in your Bible. The veil is there. You go, how? What's he talking about? I'm telling you right now, the veil is being removed. The curtain and the veil was rent in two. The whole ground was shaken when Jesus came off of that cross. Are you with me? We entered into a new level that the, everybody before Jesus did that could not enter into the place that you and I have. And furthermore, the covenant that you and I are a part of is a covenant of, 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 of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. And everything before that was a covenant between God and Israel that we had no right to partake in. And here we are in the new covenant 2022 years ago trying to observe the very things that we had no covenantal right in. You don't even possess the right to the old covenant. It was just to the children of Israel. He grafted us into the new not into the old, into the new. Don't shoot me down now. Because if you listen and you hear, this, this produces a freedom on the inside of you. It doesn't pr produce all kinds of bondage and manipulation. No, it frees your heart. And, and all of a sudden you realise that there's been religion maybe that I've been clinging on to. Things that make you think it's all about you and what you can do. Things that are inside of you that puts all the inf I'm telling you right now, if there be anything, abs I'll say anything, anything at all, one ounce of anything, one single ounce, point zero, 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 one of anything in your life that says it's about you, get free. Because it's not about you, baby. It's all about Him. Well, we had a super anointed meeting today. It was so powerful. I just know it's because before the service, I prayed for 45 minutes. I know that, that 45 minutes is what did it. The no, the glory never came in because you prayed for 45 minutes. No, no, no. That's not the attitude we come into prayer with. We don't come to prayer so that the atmosphere shifts. We come to prayer so we can say, Lord, what you did on the cross, we enforce from heaven into the realm of the earth today. Father, in Jesus' name, people are gonna be walking walking through this door today. Father, we release your kingdom into this place today. We are only releasing what He has given. You didn't have anything to do with the equation. Get out of your spiritual pride. Arrogance in the church, arrogance. 
Well, if we get just a certain amount of people to pray together, if we can just fill the room with 120 people, just like on the day of Pentecost, we're gonna, we're gonna stop trying to formulize God. He is not a formula. He will work outside the formula. Stop putting a formula on Him. And I don't care if I preach myself empty in this church, but I will not change the glorifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'm anointed of the Lord. I'm anointed by Him. Okay, all right, no, no, no. Let's go, let's just go ahead and talk about everything that we wanna hear. Let's, yeah, let's just go ahead and say everything we've already heard in this area so that we can just be kind, tickle people's ears, and then we wonder why we don't see results. The message of the cross of Jesus Christ is radical. It is radical. The grace of Almighty God is radical. It's scandalous. Paul was accused in the book of Romans chapter six. What, shall we sin now that we're under grace? Paul was being accused of preaching a message that sounded licentious. He said, no, absolutely not. You, you, you. See, the gospel will expose where your heart is currently at and the problem in the church world and we back off. We rather wanna be able to control. We rather wanna use, we, we, we are a church of convenience. We use grace where it's convenient and we use the law where it's convenient. And the law is mostly used in the giving where we manipulate people in their giving. And then I'll say this while I say that, just because a few dingbats manipulated you doesn't mean the truth about giving and God's principles for breaking you free in your finances is not true either. So don't go from one side of the pendulum to the other. Surely there's got to be a middle of ground where we can begin to talk about things without offending somebody. We've got to be able to talk about it so that we can do what God's called us to do. Well, I don't know. I'm just telling you right now, get used to me. Because I'm, 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 done, I'm done with being churchified and trying to do what everybody, I, don't, I, I really don't care. If the ministry of death engraved on the stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Somebody say, passing away. 
but now we've got the whole church, well, a, a vast big, big church postured in a, a, and, and they are operating under a glory that is still passing away. Do you know that if you will make Christianity about you and what you can do, do you know that it will exude the, and a glory on the inside of you? But that glory will only be as good as the next time you feel condemned. And that anointing will only work for you because today you're gonna pray for four hours. Tomorrow you're gonna wake up, you're gonna pray for two and you're gonna go, I didn't pray as much as I did yesterday. So that means the anointing won't go to work for me. And then we begin to live in this Christianity that makes it all about us. And the veil and that glory, that passing glory will still be a passing glory and true for you. Even though you are living in the new covenant, according to your faith, you will have a fading glory. Yeah, it's an awakening. It's awakening to the fullness of what Jesus has already put on the inside of you. That's what it is. It's an awakening. Religion has told you and put you on a treadmill and told you it's all about you and your efforts that the anointing will work, that that did you partake in anything that God's... No, 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 none of what you do... See, 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 now, now, now don't, 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 don't misunderstand me when I say the following is that yes, even though everything has richly been given to us in Christ, as far as manifesting those things in the earth, it's, it's when we begin to apply what is richly given to us. It's not, it's not based on us. We're not approaching God from the posture of, it's all about me, therefore I have. It's, it's not about that posture. It's about approaching God, understanding all things have been given, that I begin to unlock that which has already been fully given by Him. Yeah. And just for a full disclaimer, I usually like to say this so that everybody just takes a chill pill. Because the moment you start going down these avenues, people start to think, well, that's like, let me just say this. Grace is not your license to sin any more than a duck is a Delta jet airline pilot. So the grace of God has never been given to you to sin and do whatever you want to. That's not the point. You're missing the whole point. The grace of God, however, is the only thing that empowers you to be free from sin. I'll say that one more time. The grace of God, not what you do, is the only thing that will empower you because why? When you begin to lean back on His grace, the power comes for you to overcome. Being conscious of sin and your shortcomings is not what will deliver you from sin but being conscious of what He did for you and the righteousness that He's placed on the inside of you. The Bible says, Jesus looking up, gave thanks. Come on, the miracle began to happen. Then in Hebrews, we see He's looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You see, the power to be free is not in what you can do with your own hands. The power to be free is when you begin to look up to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who by grace through faith saved your soul and by grace through faith as 
you continue to lean upon Him, His power is able to go to work in you and through you and for you. The Bible says, you have been estranged or you have been severed from grace. You who seek to be justified by the law. Oh, come on. Oh, we, didn't, we didn't read that one. You have been severed, estranged from Christ. Come on, and the grace of God, you who seek to be justified by the law. In other words, when you seek justification by the law, because there is a self-consciousness rooted in your own efforts to achieve what God has given grace and designed grace to do, the moment you are trying to do that in your own ability, you are strangling the work of grace because you are telling grace, I'm gonna do it in my own power. So you frustrate the grace of God when you seek to be justified by your efforts. Grace cannot do for you because you are trying to do what grace was designed to do, something that you will never be able to measure up to. That's why we needed a Saviour. Moses in Exodus chapter 34, this is the correlation of what Paul is talking to you. I'm gonna read this really quickly. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses. In other words, the ministry of the law. The, the, and this is just one part of the law, by the way. There's the ceremonial law, there's the commandments, and then there's another one, which anyway, but this is a part of it. As he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin on his face shone of his uh, 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 the, the skin shone of his face because of speaking with him. Who with who? With God. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin on his face shone, and they were all afraid to come near him. Why? Because of the glory. Then Moses called to them and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out, he spoke to the sons of Israel what he had commanded. And the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in. So it was, come on, this is a, 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 a fading glory. a glory that would only be available upon the obedience of the Israelite. Are you with me? Yes. So, so if, if, if you did everything and you tried, and which was impossible, because that's why they needed the blood of animals. Because if, if it was possible, then there would have been no shedding of animals. And number two, there would be no need for Jesus to come. 
And thirdly, then we would be screwed. Why? Because it wasn't cut for the Gentiles. It was only cut for the children of Israel. When Jesus was walking the face of the earth, He was there for the children of Israel, His own people. We were engrafted in. Read the book of John. We were put into the vine. Jesus' earthly ministry was never to the Gentiles. In fact, he called one of, one of the Gentile women a, a dog. But yet, look at the goodness of God because while Jesus is now walking, He's living in to meet the perfect standard of the law so that He would eventually go to the cross and come on, which He did perfectly. Thank you, Jesus. But the other side of that coin is Jesus is upholding the law on one side and he's, he's, the Gentiles are not even engrafted in. But you see, he's ushering, in, he's ushering us into a new season when He would obtain the full victory for us at the cross of Calvary. Come on, all he did was place us right back into the first Adam. Not all, that's a lot. That's a whole bunch of information right there in one sentence. And and the two times he actually heals the Gentiles... Jesus came and he was upset. He cursed the fig tree. And he said, let no no one eat of you ever again. Why? Because he found no faith in Israel. He came to his own covenant people, but he found no faith in them. As he was ushering in, not not ever, because the veil was still on the eyes of people. Peter said, oh, you, are the, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed it. In other words, Peter, the veil has been removed. You see me for who I am and for what I've come to do. Are you with me? So he comes and he finds no faith. Why? Because he sees there's the, the veil is still there. They're so blinded by their religiosity that they cannot even see him. I mean, the Son of God, the Son of God, God, the creator of the heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth, cannot even work in certain places. Why the Bible says that Jesus could do no mighty work in Nazareth because of their doubt and unbelief. The Son of God was limited by their doubt and unbelief. Could he do it? No. Yes, he could, but he never. He will never usurp the will of any human being. So, if they had doubt and unbelief, he was not going to usurp the condition of their heart to prove that he was God. And then uh, the, the Syrophoenician woman is what I'm talking about. He says, and to them, he says, so to the fig tree, he curses it, which, which is, you know, his, he, he was, the fig tree is, is Israel. They've got no faith, all right? He can't find faith in all of Israel. That's what he said. But then the Syrophoenician woman and the centurion that were both outsiders, when I say outsiders, not part of the covenant, that, and, and the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman knew they had no right to the covenant that God had between His children and His, between Israel and Himself. So how did they approach Him? 
they approached him on the basis of faith. I know I don't deserve my, my healing. I know I don't deserve. The centurion could do nothing. He was at the mercy of God. Are you with me? And what did he say to those two? The two places where Jesus said, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel was to those two people. Yet he said to his own people, he found no faith in all of Israel, but to the two people that weren't a part of the covenant, he found faith in them. Why? Because they were coming to him in complete surrender. Why? There was nothing that they could offer to Jesus, the Messiah. There was nothing that they could do. None of their prayers, none of their petitions, none of their fastings, none of all of their works could produce a miracle. They had only one thing and that was I have to depend on faith to receive this miracle because I can't try and do what the children of Israel do. I'm not a part of that covenant. That's not gonna work for me. I need faith. And those two people are types and shadows of a new covenant believer. And everything that you and I on this side of the cross receive is from the same posture of the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman, when we come to God, it is by faith and none of our efforts. Come on. This is not a theology that will fill your head. It is a revelation that you need to catch. And believe me, because I'm about to say something that will make you irritated with me. I know when you have it and when you don't. Don't sit your name in me because I know it hasn't hit your head yet. That's why I said I used to be on the other side of a lake before, postured through lenses that most of us look through today. Most of us look through those lenses. I was there. Jesus came and rocked my world where I shut my ministry down for eight months out of the revelation that I'm bringing you here today. Everything got shut down. Why? Because when I got up behind the pulpit, I wanted to make sure that my language was changed because I didn't want anything that I said behind this pulpit to put shackles on people. So do you think that, that, that what I'm sharing with you today and what I'm saying with you is that it knocked the socks off of me for eight months? No. I don't I don't pray. I don't okay now listen, I'm about to fix the statement. I don't pray, I don't fast, I don't do all of those things in order to get heaven to move for me. None, I do none of that for that purpose. None of it. That is futile, that is dead, and religion has sold you a lie.
I don't do that to get heaven to move for me. I do that because heaven has already been moved for me in Jesus Christ. Everything that I need was purchased for me on His account. And all I'm doing is taking credit for what He's doing. And all I exist to be in this new covenant is an enforcer of the one who richly purchased all things for you and I. And I rest upon His grace, lest I should think it's about myself and it's really not. So sorry if your cage gets rattled a little bit this morning. It's okay, we need to have our cages rattled. Amen? Amen. I'm almost done here. And trust me, I'm not angry. I am so passionate. God, give me the divine wisdom to transmit your revelation to your people. There's no anger. I, I, I tell you, if there is something that angers me, it is the spirit of religion. I am, I tell you what, I hate religion. And I'm coming after it. Like I said, I don't care if I go with, after religion with every fibre of my being that we empty out the church building. That's fine. I'll go, I'll go do whatever else. God has blessed the work of my hands. Whatever I put my hands to will prosper. God will bless me with abundance. That He's never left the righteous forsaken nor His seed begging for bread. And whatever I do in life, I will see the favour of God and the blessing of God. And no man is going to limit what God has put on my life. But I'm telling you, at the expense of losing everybody, I don't care. That is what the unity of the faith is. The unity of the faith is not everybody just coming in with their own little mindsets and whatever. No, it is all submitted to the finished work of Jesus. It's not I come with my idea, you come with your idea and we all just tolerate one another under one roof. It's not what it is. It's been able to humble yourself and understand that maybe the things that you believed have been taught to you wrong. Can you, can you, is that possible? Just maybe. I'll tell you what, there's no more striving. 
I am not striving in my relationship with the Lord. I don't live to impress anybody here. I mean, I love you, don't get me wrong. Understand the context. I don't exist to impress people because that's a burden I will never win. You can please some people some of the time, but you cannot please all of the people all of the time. That's a yoke I will dare not to carry. And I'm not really interested in what you think about me and how spiritual or not spiritual, or you think, well, you just haven't been where I've been. No, I've been where you've been and I've actually swallowed the pull and I've been there before and there's no power in it because Jesus is the greater one and He superseded some of the religious crap that we subscribe to. Exactly. Sorry, I said the word crap in church. It's okay. Have a cathartic moment. That's like a cold shower for some of you. And God's really not offended with me for saying that. Oh no, Oh, sorry. I said it in the house of God. I, okay, let me go outside. It's, it's less of a sin outside the house of God. Come on, think about that. Yeah, you take him, you take him wherever you go. And whatever you're exposing your eyes to, he's right with you. Well, whatever you're exposing your ears to, he's right with you. Jesus called people brood of vipers, whitewashed sepulchers. I'm telling you right now, the equivalent in today's terms, that's like cussing. That's like saying some words that we don't want to hear in church. What an insult. Do we all love Jesus in this room? Okay, so he called a woman a dog. You still love him? Hallelujah. Anyway, I don't know why I'm going there. But but please understand, I'm I humble myself. I'm not coming from I'm not postured in arrogance here. But uh, but I have very little. I mean, and God is helping me because I've have to have the grace of God to actually swallow and allow. Because you you can't exist and have a heart of grace and not allow others to come into that understanding of grace at the same time. It took me a while to get it. Born and raised around a church. I was more inside of a church building than I think I lived in my own home. My mom and dad functioned in the glory of God. And guess what? You know why the glory of God worked for them right in the earliest part of the years of their ministry? I'll just shoot straight with you. Why? Because when they got saved, they were overwhelmed at the goodness of God that came to visit them. In fact, God used them when they were six months in the Lord, probably because when they start getting their heads filled with theology, that was the only season that He could do the greatest work He ever did in their ministry. And it was all based on one revelation, Jesus. Some of us have got saved. We were taken out of the kingdom of darkness, had a great revelation of the glorious light that He's brought us into. We knew that apart from Him, we were messed up and then religion came in and brought us right back into religious darkness all over again. And we were never supposed to leave the place of our first love to begin with. What was the revelation of the first love? Um, anybody can, can anybody tell me when they first got saved and you got ready? How many of you can recall the time? I, I know when I, got, when I came back to Jesus, I can give you the date, the 30th of June, 1996. 
was when I surrendered my life to the Lord. How many of you remember the time of your surrender? And I can tell you this without even having a word of your story. I can tell you this about that story that you can all agree with as was mine, is that when you came to Him, you knew that without Him, you were cooked. You knew that nothing you could do or that you could offer to Him would purchase salvation for you. You knew that apart from Him, you were done. And guess what? When you came into that first love and your life was completely surrendered to Him, it was on the same revelation that brought you in that you could offer Him nothing. Now we've become so religiously smart. Now now we've got who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians, that you started out in the Spirit. Now you've been, now you've gone over into the flesh. In other words, you've made Christianity and your walk with God about your efforts. Amen? Hallelujah. And this is why I say, you're not in a position to go have conversations about what you're hearing right now because people will chew you and spit you up with religion right back at you. Don't cast your pearl before swine. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, you speak to me. Because you get around talking like this with other people, in Christian circles, they will shoot you down faster than you can say anything out of you. They will shoot you down like this. It's okay. Get full of the Word. Get full of that revelation. Get the understanding. Why do you think it took me eight months? Because when God started to minister to me, I mean, I took time and I studied. In fact, the, the message I preached to you today, I remember I said, Lord, is this true? And I, I'm sorry I'm taking a little bit more. I promise I'm ending now. I said to the Lord, is this true? And then I remember for three, four days, the Lord said to me, what is the fruit? And I just had this, what is the fruit? And I'm thinking, why is He telling me what is the fruit? He goes, well, what is the fruit of what you're listening to? And then eventually, the, you know, with my lightning fast mind, four days later, I eventually said, oh, I need to dwell on this. Okay. Then I began to dwell on it. And within a matter of seconds, he said to me, who's being exalted? I said, Jesus. Who's at the center of it? It's Jesus. When I, as soon as the light bulb came on in my mind that I saw it was centralised in Jesus, that He was the one being exalted, that it was all about Him, I immediately said, I'm all in like a game of Texas Hold'em. I surrender my opinions. I surrender my theologies. I'm surrendering everything that man tried to serve to me and I surrender it and I humble myself to you. And I said, now Holy Spirit, teach me. And it took me nine months to relearn a brand new language. I was operating under Windows, Microsoft, and I had to shift over on Apple OS. And it took me a little while to rediscover how to function in the kingdom of God. And don't get me wrong, I saw a lot of blessing 
but I was also living in a time where I had the veil over my eyes. And remember, the veil is passing. The veil will produce a glory for you, but it will be as temporary as your own obedience and your own efforts. Does that mean that I'm preaching a gospel where you have no obedience? Of course you have obedience. Of course we are obedient to, be, to obey the Word of God. I'm not preaching no obedience here. I'm just trying to say that you stand where you are as far as the anointing goes, as far as the glory goes, as far as how God works with you. All of those things, all of those things are based on His obedience. 100% of it is based on His obedience. And I'm not making that up. By one man's disobedience, all were made sinners. So there was no amount of obedience on your part that could make you righteous until Jesus came, right? So one man's obedience, one man's disobedience made all men sinners. But by one man's obedience, many would be made righteous. To all them that would hear, they would receive His righteousness. By whose obedience? By the obedience of Jesus. You, you are not, you were never made, none of you were made righteous by your obedience in this room, not one of you. Can we rest from our spiritual pride? We've got to rest from our spiritual pride and learn to depend on His righteousness so that the riches can, of His glory at His expense can work through us. Get over yourself and get into Him. Amen? Come on, and that's not a, this is not a word of rebuke here this morning. Hallelujah, glory to God. All right, we'll do the last thing here. For those of you watching by way of live stream, I hope you made it. But we have two things for you. If you feel so inclined, as well as you in the building, Let's go ahead and just change up and put the, you have four ways to give. Of course, some of those you cannot do, especially for those of you that are online. Uh, but we do have envelopes on my right, your left, for those of you in the house today. If you are writing out checks, make them out to Destiny Revival Ministries or DRM. Those on that side. Then if you want to give by uh, the website, go ahead to destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Give Today button. You can give safely and securely. And then lastly, we have uh, the ability for you to text uh, the word give to 337 That's 337 Text the word give to that number and uh, you can give, you'll get a link to give safely and securely. That's it. Can we give Jesus a shout of praise in this place? How many of you feel like man was exalted here today? <laughs> Thank you, Cody. <laughs> I'll ask that question. How many of you feel like man was exalted here today? How many of you feel genuinely that Jesus was exalted here today? A hundred percent. So can we give Him a shout of praise, please? Hallelujah. Well, be blessed. Go in the joy of the Lord. Don't forget Thursday. And then next Sunday is Fellowship Sunday. We are providing cake. Bring some in to eat, but we'll feed your face with dessert. In Jesus' Name, be blessed. Amen. Praise God.